Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. Hello, monkeys, and welcome to the Live Wild or Die podcast. I'm your host, Monkey Dan. And quick update from Monkey Land to start. Production for Monkey 360 is rocking. Parts are coming off the tool. Bungees are being made. Mass cores are being made. I've been filming a ton of content for the app, writing workouts for the app. We're building the actual, there's some new, um, some new infrastructure we'll be building for the app. So yeah, just a lot going on. So it's been super busy, but, uh, that's what we signed up for. So I am stoked to get monkey 360 out this spring, see all this high intensity rotational training. And, uh, we've got some other surprises along the way. So a lot going on here, but again, 2020 is going to be a really, really good year. So can't wait. And this episode was inspired by, it was a magazine I saw on the floor of our living room. I think it's from a gym that my wife belongs to, but, or maybe it was like a women's kind of shape esque magazine. I can't, I honestly can't remember what it was, but all I, all I saw was this headline saying low impact exercise and kind of touting how low impact, everything should be low impact. And that's low impact, low impact. That's the way to health and fitness and all that. And it really took me aback because low impact training just for the sake of low impact training, I don't think is necessary or worthwhile or beneficial. So what I would say is high impact training is actually what you want as long as you can recover from that training. So in other words, your training should be as high impact as it can be as long as it, as long as you can recover from it. Right. So, you know, for years there's been these like epically, is that a word? Epically? There's been these shoes that are super cushioned, all these different training devices that are meant to reduce impact, which for sure is a good thing if you're injured or if you just, if you're coming off the couch, you, you definitely don't want to start doing like crazy high box jumps or something like that. So there's certainly a use. So you can use these low impact modalities to kind of work yourself up towards higher impact, but there's no reason to avoid high impact in the sense that low impact is better for you somehow. So again, I think as long as you're able-bodied, you're healthy, you're training regularly, your training should be as high impact as it can be that you can recover from. And obviously there's, you can't just go to the max every single day. There's gotta be waves. There's gotta be rest and recovery days. You need to undulate your training, which I've really started to get much, much better at in the last year. I think, I think having a child certainly helps with that as your energy levels are spread a little bit more thin, but I know, and I'm guilty of this myself, but I know friends that they're just, they have gone to the max every day for years and it's kind of starting to catch up a little bit. So take care of your body, start thinking the long game. And again, as far as high impact training goes, I mean, I really can't think of a reason why you would want to avoid it as long as you can recover. So again, it's nuanced. You can use low impact for certain situations. Maybe it's a recovery day. 
you just ran 20 miles, again, you don't need to do weighted box jumps or something like that, but use it wisely, but also don't avoid it just to avoid it. So I saw the headline. I just, I had to comment. Same thing with, I've been wanting to comment on the game changers. For, for those of you who have not seen the game changers, it's a documentary on Netflix. Full disclosure. I watched maybe the first five, 10 minutes and then fell asleep. Um, but I did listen to Chris Cresser on Joe Rogan's podcast. And then I also just listened to this crazy long podcast also on Joe Rogan. It was James Wilkes who basically was the producer kind of protagonist in this documentary. And then Chris Cresser came back again and man, what's really interesting about this whole thing is they're both saying that a whole food plant-based diet is the ideal human diet. The difference is Chris is saying that the whole foods plant-based diet should also include animal products. So Chris is arguing that the optimal human diet is whole food plant-based along with whole food animal products. James is arguing that it would only be only uh, the optimal human diet would only include plants, whole, whole food plant-based foods. So at certain times he does mention that, you know, maybe it's 95% plants and then 5% animal products. And, uh, it's just, it's such an nutrition has always been such an interesting topic to me that because it's very much like religion. I think, people, they kind of get these ideas about what's the best way to eat. And there's, there's just an interesting phenomenon in humans, how we, with nutrition specifically, we get really, um, religious about it for lack of a better word. And I've, when I was doing a lot more personal training and group training several years back, you know, I was always hesitant to give specific nutritional advice because I think if you ask someone that's being honest, the question, the answer is going to be, it depends and it's going to vary person to person. So my advice to people is always eat whole foods, eat around the edge of the grocery store, meaning don't buy packaged food. So buy real food, fruits, vegetables, meat, eggs, dairy, whatever it is. I guess dairy comes in packages sometimes, but I think if you, I think it was important to, kind of identifies that when you move away from the SAD diet, which is standard American diet, which is sad that the acronym is SAD, but as soon as you get away from the standard American diet, you're automatically going to have benefits. So that could be going vegan. That could be going carnivore. That could be fruititarian, vegetarian, pescatarian. I'm sure there's, there's probably a list of like a hundred different versions of these things, but as soon as you get away from that sad Ameri standard American diet, you're automatically going to have just exponential benefits. So if you haven't already uh, made that leap, please do that immediately. You'll just, it's going to do so much for your health, performance, happiness, all that. But I think it starts to get really nuanced and really individual beyond that. So my personal belief, I think, I think people are omnivores. I think Forever we've eaten whatever is available, whether that's plants, meat, shellfish, whatever, mushrooms, fungus. 
I think we're kind of, I can't remember where I heard this, but I thought the comment was that people are one of the, like humans have the widest breadth of food that we're able to consume and also widest breadth of habitats. So there's people that live in the Arctic, the tropics, high altitude, hot deserts, all this crazy stuff. And part of the reason for that was because of this ability of this omnivore ability to eat kind of whatever. So yeah, I was really, you know, listening to this debate on Joe Rogan. It was, they both certainly make a lot of good points and it's, it's hard to argue against those points when they make them with these studies, but just be cognizant and be aware that nutrition science just, it's not super scientific in the sense of there's a lot of studies that are done with surveys, questionnaires. So you're, you're counting on people's ability to recall what they've eaten in the past and all that. And a lot of times it doesn't take into account other lifestyle habits. So, you know, I certainly don't, I I don't think meat is bad for you. I think meat is good for you. I think vegetables are good for you. I think again, eating a variety of foods, I think eating an omnivorous diet is for most people going to be the best way to optimal health and performance. But I think, you know, you got to, people are, there's outliers, you know, there's Shaq and there's me as far as height. But, uh, you know, it certainly seems quite plausible to me that there's people that do way better on a plant-based diet, vegan diet, vegetarian diet, whatever, just the same. There's people that do better on an all meat diet or a carnivore diet. So I know there's a professor, I'm sure most of you have heard of him, Jordan Peterson. He eats a basically a carnivore. I think he pretty much just eats ribeye. So he pretty much eats like steak, salt, and water. That's like all he eats. And his daughter does the same thing as well, as far as I know, or at least something similar, but they both had dealt with crazy autoimmune disease and depression and all this stuff. And for whatever reason, just that all meat diet has seemed to work really well for them. And I, I can't point to anyone specifically, but I'm sure there's plenty of examples on the other side of the coin where folks are eating plant-based, vegan, whatever. And it was kind of the only thing that has worked for them. So gosh, it's just, uh, I've been wanting to comment on this for a while. I just, I really wanted to synthesize my thoughts a little bit more because it is, it's just such a polarized topic area right now. I just, uh, and I think like a lot of things, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. So I've always, I've, since I first heard about it, I've always been a big fan of kind of this paleo ancestral, um, totally lost my turn of thought, thought there. I've been a big fan of this paleo ancestral health kind of diet or this diet based on ancestral patterns of people. It seems it makes a lot of sense to me. I can see like in my head, I can picture this archeological evidence going back and seeing how it all works. So that's always what's made the most sense to me. And I know when I kind of eat that clean, you know, like classic sweet potato, maybe some cooked spinach and like a steak or some chicken or a piece of salmon, you just, you feel good. You feel so much better when you're eating these whole foods. So that's, uh, 
that I think is really, if you can get to that point where you're not opening packages, you're eating whole foods, you've eliminated processed foods, which they, they didn't talk about that as much as I would have liked to hear. I think, I think they could do several podcasts really, but talking about all the benefits of eliminating processed foods and why that is. And I think there's something unique here in the States where we have this industrial food complex that, uh, you know, there's all kinds of sneaky things going on that I'm not super well educated on, but the one that just comes to mind is I know an ingredients. When you look in the back of a package, there's like the ingredients list. There's certain terms. Like I think one of them is natural flavors where there's kind of these loopholes where you can sneak stuff in that people might not want to see on the back of their food label. So, you know, that's the benefit when you eat whole foods, there is no label. It's just, it is what it is. It's beef, it's celery, it's broccoli, it's chicken. So, you know, I think you, you can also, you can really set yourself up for success nutritionally where if there's like Oreos in the house, if there's ice cream in the house, I eat them all. I eat it all. I just, it's like, you can't, you can't stop. So, you know, it's like growing up, don't hang out with the kids. Uh, don't hang out with the kids that you don't want to get involved with whatever they're involved and don't keep, don't keep dirty food in the house and, uh, you can't eat it. Right. So (sighs) thanks for listening monkeys. I've been kind of ruminating on this for a little while and saw that headline on that magazine. And I just, I don't like, I don't like this hypothesis that the human body is frail or weak and it needs all this comfort and pampering. I think it's the opposite. The body is strong. It's resilient. We came from the wild. And, uh, you know, when, when you kind of get the psychology of, I gotta, I can't go too hard or I gotta, you know, low impact all the time. I just, I don't like that hypothesis. Again, I think, I think there's appropriate use and certainly overtraining can be as bad or worse than not training at all. So, well, maybe not training at all, but certainly overtraining and doing too much can be detrimental. So it's not always do one more rep, which not to segue to too many different places, but highly recommend listening to Pavel Tatsulin. I think I said the name right, but check him out. He was, he was on Joe Rogan's podcast recently. Really, really knowledgeable guy on strength training specifically. He knows a ton about training in general, but really knowledgeable at training. He, he really does this awesome job of reinforcing these kind of old school training methodologies that where you're not, you're kind of doing the mass, the, the vast majority of your work in this kind of medium to medium heavy weight. And then you're doing light, little bit of light days, little bit of heavy days, but most of your work is it's challenging, but you're able to recover and you're not just crushing your body every day with your training. So definitely check it out and just, uh, keep thinking about it. So thank you for tuning in everyone. Hope you guys like the new artwork and stoked to get that out. So finally got it up. Be cool to make like hats or shirts or something from that. But <clears throat> thank you for tuning in and, uh, 
Hopefully we can get a few more episodes out before the new year. I wanted to share this is kind of a 2019 recap, just lessons learned, things like that. So I will get on that. You guys keep getting wilder, maintain that monkey mindset. And I'll see you out there. Monkey on. Monkey on.